Excursus 1 A Sudden Change There is no stage. We find ourselves upon an ocean shore. Dunes to one side, while to the other waves that crash and wash repeatedly. As we turn, we see Faustus' body on his belly, not moving. The wash sweeps up to swirl about his arm outstretched toward the dunes. And close up, we see that into his hand a curl of seaweed tangles in his limp fingers, coiling and foamed. From above and behind us, we hear the chorus narrate the scene. washes but our dreams and thoughts, in pulses and in waves. We see the rhythm of the heart in us, pupils shrink and dilate, the alternating darks of various shade. But at the center is a sound we've always heard, a constant drone, that wasting echo fades. Faustus wakes. He sees wet sand and coiling seaweed nudged by curling trickles of the sea in his hand. Bobble bubbles, ringlets foamed. Above him now the old man looks down. He speaks. Spit it out. And in the instant these words are speech. It forms within his mouth the stone the captain took to death, emitted from his mouth like a birth. He sees it gleaming in the dawn. He feels the wind and cool, keen air. He straightens and looks for wounds. Not one is there, nor any tear in the fabric where the sword had entered him. Yet he remembers how it felt. First pain, then warmth that shot through him. Then his person flew into air, and he witnessed his body falling to drown. This illusion, the old man says, do not think. Think this, and holds the stone before his face. Faustus stares as mesmerized by its orble glow. Yet it is ordinary, as common as a common stone. Lapis exilis, lapis elixis, the old man says, returning it to him. Sitting up, Faustus sees the sea and its infinity. Where's the wall? The old man looks and says, Oh, yes, it's beyond, 
there. Or you have seen the last, perhaps. I cannot say. It all depends, you see. He looks distantly where Faustus sees only sea. Yet it is still there for me, there. But I know. You cannot see it now, at least not in this way, but we talk too much. First, let's get you to eat. The old man helps him to stand upon his feet, and he feels sickly, almost faints, until the blood returns to his head. To a small campfire he is led where the old man makes for him a humble meal. He does not speak. He watches the old man make a breakfast of a little fish he'd filleted, baked the length of it on settled embers that he'd laid. Faustus felt the stone inside his fist. He opened it and peered. It looked dull with reflected cloudy sky. He saw it was, as he had been told, no larger than his eye. How did I come by this? How should you not? No more is said until they had both fed. When Faustus refreshed, felt an urge to talk, and expelled his feelings, memories, urgently beginning when Mephistopheles first appeared, his quest, his journey to paradise, his death. He spoke so ardently and amusingly the old man did not stop him until it was time to eat again. When Faustus rested, after he'd had a second repast, the old man took the stone from him. May I see? And Faustus realized he still clutched it in his fist. He let it go into the other's palm, who regarded it whimsically, looked at Faustus and said offhandedly, It is so small, yet of such weight, that nothing is more ponderous. Leaning into an open sack in which he kept his belongings, the old man sorted and pawed for something, muttering and clattering, withdrew two pans dangling at a stem, a scale, such as assayers use to weigh precious minerals. He bade Faustus hold it high. On one pan, then, he put the stone, and on the other dropped a coin, two, three, several coins of gold. The stone sank down on its pan, and no matter how many coins he placed on the opposing pan, the small stone did not rise again, to prove by weight a greater worth. Then he withdrew the coins and dropped a small amount of dirt to cover up the stone. He put a handful of dirt onto the opposite pan to test its weight, and now... That handful of dirt, heavier, dropped instantly way down. The stone proved worthless. If buried in dirt, if lost in sight, then it's assayed nothing of worth. Yet when that stone's withdrawn, the pans will wobble and rebalance and stabilize the twin pans level.
and at each pan is dirt of equal piles. He gave back the stone and laughed so naturally Faustus laughed with him. What joke they knew, I cannot tell you. The old man tucked away the scales, assembled all his gear, and said to Faustus, It's time to go. He loaded his sack on Faustus' back. They crossed the coastal dunes across storm-heaved sea-rack, and at the margin of the shore rose up a chalky weald. In the gloom of sea-mists, with gnarled black oak groping its shoal, its branches leafless, lifeless like claws, bearded in tenderless mosses, swayed hoary in the salty sea breeze. Into a grimly gutted gulch, the old man led up an empty creek bed, which wandered these weird woods along its barren watercourse strewn with dead leaves and debris. Yet so humid in air, the creek bed ripened a slimy bloom, rocks made slippery and wet. Then terminating at a looming escarpment, just as it was getting dark, the old man stopped and stood before a dark and deep-mouthed cavern and said to Faustus, You must go in there. Faustus did not ask him why or to where. He entered it, and he did not look back, while the old man turned and departed. <laughs>